Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. I'm Georgia Canning, a qualified ballet teacher of adults and children. I'm also a studio owner and founder of Balanced Ballerinas, amongst many, many other things. I drop episodes of the pod every second week, and I've been doing so for well over two years now. So welcome. I'm so glad that you have found this wonderful community, which is fueled by a mutual love of ballet and training healthy and holistic dancers. Now, I know I just said that I drop an episode of the pod every two weeks, but I've been a bit naughty lately and I haven't actually dropped an episode for two weeks. So I'm officially off schedule. My apologies. I know that some of you check in on me when that happens. Is everything okay? And I'm absolutely fine. (laughs) It doesn't happen often, but every now and then I do get a little bit off schedule and I thought today I would do a bit of a ask me anything type of episode and it might explain actually with the first question why I am a bit off schedule. So I I received a beautiful message the other day from a listener of the pod and basically she wanted to know if I could do a very hashtag basic hashtag AMA episode and um Look, I'll be honest, (laughs) I had to Google what AMA meant. I had no idea, but apparently that means ask me anything. So what I did was I jumped on Facebook and I jumped on my Instagram uh, at The Balanced Ballerina, my personal one, and I just put up a ask me anything. And I have about, I only did it last night, um, and I have about, what have I got here? I think 17 questions. So I thought I would just, you know, answer them. I put them in a little bit of an order so that they're sort of grouped uh, together and make a little bit of sense. And one of the questions I got was from Hannah, and it was, how are you? (laughs) She said, it appears stressful running a business during COVID times. Now, as I said before, I'm a bit off schedule with the whole podcasting schedule at the moment. And this might explain why. Um, Probably the easiest thing to do would be to explain what's going on in my brain right now. It feels like I have many, many tabs open. And I'm sure you all know what that feels like. For example, I have a tab that's open on equality and diversity and making sure that I use my platform for good and, you know, representing all in dance. I just think it's so important and I'm trying really hard behind the scenes to educate myself on becoming better at inclusivity um, and how I can, you know, Put that into a dance industry context and so that's actually taking up a lot of my time and it's you know something that you don't necessarily put on Instagram and be like I'm doing this you know because it I don't know it feels wrong I just want to do it quietly behind the scenes and and let it seep through you know the guests that I bring onto the pod or the pictures that I post on Balanced Ballerinas or you know the diversity that I can show in my specific, like particularly adult classes, but also my children's classes at the studio that I run. So that is humming away in the background. What else? I have, you know, um, a lot of thoughts about uniforms at the moment and how I can be inclusive with those um, while still maintaining the traditions, I guess, of classical ballet. 
for example, at my studio, we have currently just brought in, and I have spoken about this in previous episodes, cap sleeve leotards um, so that students can you know, wear bras underneath their leotards, which has, it sounds so simple, but it's really brought such a big um, change and confidence boost to a lot of my students. So that's one thing um, we also have been thinking about different religions and how they want longer skirts or black tights instead of pink. And yeah, there's just a lot there to cover and you sort of have to really, you know, because it is quite beautiful when you run a studio of young ballerinas. It's really lovely to see a beautiful uniform. And one of the things which is which is really difficult is that if students do ballet exams, there is an expectation of what they should be wearing in those exams. And that's actually not set by me. That's set by the syllabus that you teach. And many dance teachers will be listening to this um, specifically of ballet and nodding along because even if we, for example, bring in now my students can all wear skirts whenever they want, whether they had their period or not, whether they are doing bar or center, they can wear a skirt over their leotard, no matter what. And that's fantastic and it's working wonderfully. And I'll be honest, most of the students are wearing skirts, you know, in those older age groups, um, regardless of whether they're doing bar or center work. But one of the problems now is that we're coming up to ballet exam time and they're not allowed to wear those skirts unless they're doing their dance, which is at the end of their exam. So not only am I trying to tackle, do I bring this up (laughs) with a very old institution, which is uh, the syllabus that I teach is as old as me. So it's 31 years old and how I can breach that topic with uh, those particular artistic staff, whether I bother to do that, because sometimes it can rustle a few feathers and, you know, um, affect your students' outcomes. So that is really tricky to navigate. But then also how to navigate with my students, you know, during our exam rehearsal periods that girls do you mind taking your skirts off because you have to get used to and be best prepared for your exam which is coming up in August so that's in the background of my mind (laughs) and um, if you are dealing with the same thing and you're a ballet teacher I would love to hear from you have you got any tips and tricks Um, have you dealt with this before have you spoken to your heads of the syllabus that you teach Um, how did it go um, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do it this year. Anyway, um, what else? I have another tab open, which is all about women's health. You know, my head has been really spinning since my conversation with Dr. Stephanie and Dr. Mickey about the importance of getting your period and viewing it as a you know sign of health rather than not getting your period being, yes, you know, I'm a certain underweight, you know, and I'm, yeah, which is what getting your period was viewed as when I was a young teenager getting your period was like oh okay you're putting on some weight and it was seen as a negative thing but we had a really big chat on the podcast um, during that particular episode that I'm referring to with Dr. Stephanie and Dr. Nikki about the fact that if you're you know 18 years of age and you haven't got your period yet that's really really important um, to get checked out and it's not normal so you know, you need to get it looked at because it can lead to stress fractures and all sorts of things. Um, speaking of that particular episode, if you haven't listened and you are a 
mother of a dancer, if you are a tween or a teen, and if you are a you know dance teacher, please listen. It um, I found it incredibly informative and really useful. But yes, it is making my brain spin a little bit <laughs> on what more I can do in that space. Um, what else? Students' mental health. You know, coming in and out of lockdowns, I'm finding it incredibly worrying, you know, watching lockdowns, snap lockdowns happen over one or two cases and, you know, how this is affecting our youth and, you know, their sense of um, just regularity in their lives and that can lead to anxiety and lots of mental health issues and I'm you know a bit worried about that with students with my younger students especially technics I mean all the technology that they're consuming on the daily and you know a lot of classes being moved to online and their heads you know are not in the right place you know if you are a parent make sure that you pop their laptop on some kind of stand because I'm finding that the, like literally the skeleton, the anatomy of my dancers are changing. They're getting this sort of slant on their neck forward and it's from looking down at their phone and looking down at their laptop. And I mean, yes, one way to combat that um, is to pop the laptop. It doesn't really help with the phone, but pop the laptop up on a laptop stand and have a, a separate keyboard. That That's, you know, one thing you can do. But I feel like they're all just sitting on their beds and I asked them too. I asked my 15 and 16 year olds, how are you doing your homework? And apparently they're all sitting on their beds and probably in like a sort of half straddle split and leaning over, hunched over, doing their work over their laptop for hours. And it's just not good. Their their necks are just, you know, tech neck is something that I haven't <laughs> coined. It is what physios are now calling you know, the neck of people that are hunching over their technology for too long. So that's in my brain. I'm worrying about that. Um, I'm worrying about the performing arts, the future of it, the performance opportunities for students, you know, because a lot of students love the stage. They love performing. And at the moment we have, for example, competitions coming up in my studio and the dates keep changing the venues keep changing one venue at the moment I just got an email this morning has been taken over as a um, uh, COVID testing site now so that entire competition has to move to a different venue and now parents won't be able to watch and oh it's just a nightmare I mean even if the students get to perform it's going to look very different and um, what else am I worried about Adult ballerinas getting used to dancing in their lounge rooms. That's something I'm really worried about. And I actually don't think many people are talking about it as much as they should be. Um, Just due to the nature of my work with the Balanced Ballerinas brand, I tend to get quite a few emails from adults who are training at home looking for, you know, new zoom classes to do or they'll thank me for some of my youtube videos which i'll be honest like i slapped together and popped up on youtube when COVID happened and i'm glad that they've been really useful to people but in my opinion you know and i know that everyone can't get to a class but nothing beats the atmosphere of being in an open ballet class with human connection and I just think it's really important for social connection and really important for well-being to actually talk to humans face to face and 
I love that we've found ways to connect via technology, but it does worry me about, you know, the lonely adult ballerina in the room of their house doing bar and center work on the daily without any kind of human connection. I mean, tell me if I'm on, you know, the wrong thought train here, but uh, it, I'm just a little bit worried about it. And I hope that the op- world, you know, opens up and f- people feel more comfortable to sort of get back to human connection, human contact. I just think it's really important. So <laughs> I've gone on a massive tangent then. I'm so sorry, Hannah. You asked, how am I? It appears stressful running a business during COVID times. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I just went through a list of what is currently on my mind right now at this very moment. And how do I feel? I feel exhausted. Am I allowed to say that? I feel really exhausted and I feel like I've felt exhausted for the last, you know, eight to 12 months, if not a bit longer. Um, And I'm sure that a lot of you are feeling the same way. And sometimes, especially with this blog and my vlog and Instagram, it can appear that I have it all together. And I want people to know that I definitely have days where I don't feel together and I do feel exhausted. And I sometimes wish that my brain would just stop. (laughs) I'll be honest, you know, I haven't released a pod episode in two weeks because I felt rather paralyzed by all these tabs open in my brain. And if you're feeling the same and you're feeling like stuck between educating yourself and educating others and trying to take action with a million different things, which are so important in the world right now, but are coming to light. And if you feel a bit paralyzed by all that, I just wanted to say you're not alone. So how am I? I'm good. I mean, look, I'm sitting here recording a pod episode for my favorite community in the whole world you know, balance ballerinas. And I have my dog hero by my feet. I have a banana smoothie by my side and life is good. Like life is fantastic. I have a roof over my head. I'm sitting on a very comfortable bed right now in my home and it's great. Life is fantastic. But I think it's also important to note that, you know, you are probably the same and it's okay to feel exhausted. It's okay to feel a little bit overwhelmed right now. We live in a really strange time. Anyway, that's just my opinion. I'm going to move on to question two because I could probably do a whole episode on how I feel (laughs) and I'm going to stop. I promise it's going to get a little bit lighter from here and then we might go a little bit deeper towards the end. I've sort of spread the questions about. Um, Number two from Lydia. Here we go. This is a little bit lighter. What are you currently watching right now? Oh, what am I watching? Well, I've just re-watched Tiny Pretty Things. Um, certainly an interesting and uh, pretty stereo- stereotypical depiction of, you know, crazy ballet student. Although whenever I watch these kinds of shows, there's always like an element of truth to them. Just a little bit. I mean, when I was at a full-time training facility and I was a full-time you know, training ballerina. We certainly didn't have anybody fall off the roof of the building um, and then magically come back to life. Oh, sorry, that's probably a spoiler, but <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, it's um, it's very dramatic. It's very dramatic. And, you know, 
that obviously didn't happen, but there's a few little things in there, you know, that, that, and a few um, stereotypical dance mums that appear, which definitely, definitely was the case when I was a young budding ballerina. So I found that really funny, really interesting to watch. And my partner keeps going, does that happen? Does that happen? And, you know, that's pretty funny too. Um, so I highly recommend just if you want to watch something ballet related, but a bit dramatic, a little bit soap opera, go for it. Um, second thing, I love this so much. Madame Olga's documentary. If you don't know who Madame Olga is, you need to follow him, her on uh, Instagram. Amazing story. Amazing classes. Just an absolute ray of sunshine. The documentary When I'm Her, which is free and available on YouTube, it's absolutely breathtaking, heartbreaking, but the most beautiful story and really just Madame Olga is a wonderful example of spreading joy amongst ballet students. So that is what I'm watching right now. I watched it twice. It's just short, about 20 minutes, I think, and I highly recommend. Question number three from Olivia. What are you reading right now? Another easy one. So I'm reading A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, and I'm finding this book really, really um interesting, really, really eye-opening. I am not sure if it's helping. It's probably contributing to all the tabs open on my brain, but regardless, um, it's kind of changing my life a little bit. I thought I would read you um, one part of the book. Now, it is in regards to, let me just find it. Where is it? That's good, isn't it? Just a live finding of the page that I'm going to read you as I'm recording this pod episode. Where are we? Okay, so we have, what is a negative emotion? Now, this is page 136 of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. An emotion that is toxic to the body and interferes with its balance and harmonious functioning. Fear, anxiety, anger, Bearing a grudge, sadness, hatred, or intense dislike, jealousy, envy. These all disrupt the energy flow through the body, affect the heart, the immune system, digestion, production of hormones, and so on. Even mainstream medicine, although it knows very little about how the ego operates yet, is beginning to recognize the connection between negative emotional states and physical disease. An emotion that does harm to the body also infects the people you come into contact with and indirectly through a process of chain reaction, countless others you never meet. There is a generic term for all negative emotions, unhappiness. Wow. Yes, probably not helping (laughs) the tabs open on my brain, but I'm having many, many aha moments. And I couldn't recommend this book enough, but you definitely probably have to be in the right headspace to read that one. Um, what also, I'm going to give you a non-ballet related book, Rodham by Curtis Sittenfield. I'm not sure if I've said that right. And basically Rodham is if Hillary didn't marry Bill Clinton and the storyline that this author has conjured up as to what would happen if Hillary didn't marry Bill Clinton. Very interesting read. I love a good political book. 
fun fact about me. Um, and I'm about to, I thought I'd also tell you what I'm about to begin reading and why. So I'm actually about to begin reading The Body Keeps the Score, Mind, Brain and Body in the Transformation of Trauma. Um, now, this particular book, I'm going to read you the back. It says, the effects of trauma can be devastating for sufferers, their families and future generations. Here, one of the world's experts on traumatic stress offers a bold new paradigm for treatment, moving away from standard talking and drug therapies and towards an alternative approach that heals mind, brain and body. Now, because I always say that ballet is one of the only things that, you know, I really truly believe can heal the body and mind simultaneously I have a lot of adult ballet clients that have PTSD and sometimes I find out about their post-traumatic stress disorders you know within our first consult or sometimes I find out about this you know three four years later but I want to learn more about how I can show up better for them and how you know perhaps classes can you know, be even more healing for them. So stay tuned. I'm really interested. I have been recommended this book by quite a few people. So I am looking forward to diving into that one and hopefully becoming an even better teacher for anyone suffering from PTSD. Now, number four, this is from Jack. He wants to know what's my go-to breakfast at the moment? Nice and light question, easy one. Well, for years, I've um, eaten the same three things for breakfast. <laughs> I either have a smoothie bowl with some muesli, um, some oats with chia seeds, usually when it's you know more winter time, or if I'm really lazy, I just love some wheat bix with soy milk. That's it. And you know, I'm sure someone's thinking, how many wheat bix do you do? Isn't that the question? Well, I do about three. I'll be honest, if I'm really hungry, sometimes four wheat bix. And um, they're my go-to breakfasts, really simple. Hasn't got anything super duper fancy on there. No bee pollen or dragon's mane or I don't know, crazy stuff. It's just simple. It's either muesli, oats or wheat bix. But on the weekend, I thought I'd also share this because it's really important to keep it real. My favorite breakfast to treat myself on a Sunday. And I've actually sort of done this since I was about 16 is an almond croissant. I love an almond croissant and a coffee. And I'm a one very happy lady <laughs> with that combination. Okay, moving on to number five from Heidi. And I'm guessing, I think looking at Heidi's profile, that she is a ballet teacher. So she asks, what's your favorite playlist for ballet class? So um, here are my recommendations, really easy. So I love my number one album is Ballet Class Volume 1, which is by Akiko, Matt and Chris. Um, they are the team from the Ballet Piano podcast and I've actually had them as guests on this podcast, um, which was episode number 58. Fun fact, my mum thought this was the best episode and I was like, of all the people I've had on the pod and she goes, nope, Akiko, Matt and Chris were fabulous. I loved it, Georgia. And I was like, oh, excellent, mum. Glad you enjoyed. So... Look, at least my mum listens to my podcast. <laughs> but if you enjoyed that episode, um, please let me know. But if you haven't listened to it, 
make sure that you do. Um, they are fantastic ballet pianists. Um, also go check out their podcast, like I said, Ballet Piano Podcast. But they have an album called Ballet Class Volume 1 that they created together. So it's got tracks, you know, ranging from warm-up all the way down to Grand Allegro. I think there's a coda in there as well. Um, and, um, yeah, they put it together as sort of a bit of a side project to the Ballet Piano Podcast. Um, that is a real favorite of my clients and mine. I also use Richard Maddox albums, um, especially for little ones. So sometimes I get a bit bored with syllabus music and I love to use Richard Maddox albums because he's got quite a few Tiny Tots albums. They're great. He's Australian. He kindly allowed me to use one of his beautiful pieces for my uh, TED talk. Um, if you haven't seen my TEDx talk, if you type in Georgia Canning, um, what makes ballet brilliant, my adult ballerinas and a couple of my younger students all danced at the end of my TED talk, which was really special. And Richard actually gave me permission to use one of his, I think it was the Adage track from one of his albums. And there's very strict rules around um, copyright with uh, film and music and all sorts of things when you do any TED or TEDx talk. So that was really lovely of him to um, give me permission to use that. So I love always giving his albums a shout out. Now I'm not sure if I'm going to say this correctly. So Soren Baby, it's I'm going to spell it for you. <laughs> I, I bet you I totally butchered that. S O R E N space B E B E. Um, he is a pianist and has many albums that are specifically for ballet class. A few of them are jazz inspired. So they're jazz inspired, you know, music for ballet class. And as I walk around teaching, you know, I feel like I should have a cocktail in one hand and and just be like schmoozing around a jazz bar. Like it's very, very nice to teach too. So I highly recommend that. And also Nate Fifield. I'm going to spell that because I think I've butchered that too. Gosh, I'm doing really well. F-I-F-I-E-L-D and that's Nate. And he's responsible for all the pop and the musical theatre albums that are designed for ballet class. So a lot of ballet teachers are across those and they're really fun to even just listen to if you are a student. Um, and finally, with that, in regards to my favorite playlist for ballet class, I thought I would point everyone in the direction of an album that a playlist actually that is on my Spotify account. So it's called the 2019 Byron Bay Balance Ballerinas Retreat Playlist. So if you go to the Balance Ballerina on Spotify, um, you will find that playlist and it's got a mishmash of pieces from all these different albums that I use, you know, every week and all my favorites. It's got Bohemian Rhapsody for plies and Hotel California for a warm-up tondu, for example. So good fun. Go have a listen to that one. Now, question number six was from Helen. I've noticed that your students wear an array of ballet attire. This is so funny. But you wear active wear. Why don't you wear a leotard and tights, etc.? Well, good question, Helen. <laughs> so occasionally I'll say on the podcast and I sort of say it jokingly that I wear active wear because I'm scarred for life from wearing leotards, you know, forever. Um, I pretty much wore a leotard every day of my life from the age of 
probably nine upwards because I found even as a, a young dancer, I always asked my teacher to do extra classes, which she was more than happy. So I was pretty much one of those kids dancing every single day. Um, I would do the older girls classes. I do the younger girls classes. I'd obviously do my own age classes. And so I was dancing every day as much as I could do. And then when I went into full-time training, obviously I wore multiple leotards a day because you'd sweat out one and have to change into another. Um, And I must admit, I would actually, I, you know, I initially stopped wearing leotards because of my own insecurities around my body. But I must admit, I actually recently bought a leotard. I know, shock horror. I, <laughs> I have one leotard in my cupboard, which I think is just a block basic uh, black lycra leotard with sort of a cap sleeve lace look. And I would pull it out once or twice a year when I had to go on stage to dance with like the tiny tots or any of my younger students and I'd put a simple demi point dancewear skirt wrap skirt around it and that was my look um I love demi point dancewear skirts very flattering go check out her Etsy store love Virginia's work she's also a client of mine and her business was born out of my uh, studio and the adult ballet community um but anyways that was my look uh once or twice a year for the past however many years eight nine years but recently I did. I bought a leotard. Um, Bodile, Bodile, I'm still not sure how to say it. Gosh, I'm doing well with the pronunciation today. Um, they are a beautiful uh, dancewear brand, B-O-D-I-L-E. And one of their marketing emails fell into my inbox and it was this beautiful style of it's sort of the bust is pink and the bottom is a black and it's got like a nude color strap and a really pretty back. And I just was like, I love that leotard. That is beautiful. So I bought it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I don't have handy on me what the exact name of the leotard is. I actually think it's sold out, to be honest, because it is stunning. Um, it's sitting on my kitchen bench. I haven't tried it on yet. Is it weird that I'm afraid to put it on? I know that sounds so silly, but I just, it's such a beautiful leotard. I don't want to be disappointed when I put it on that, um, that, you know, I don't like it on my body. I know that sounds so silly, but I feel like I'm just getting very real right now with this very um, ask me anything type style podcast, but I haven't put it on yet. I promise to put it on and share on socials. Let me know if you want me to. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure it's absolutely beautiful. Um, But I guess that ties back into me and my body and, you know, the idea of a leotard. I think when I was a young student, especially in those later days before I quit ballet, um, you know, quit the path of becoming a professional ballerina, I really didn't feel very good feelings about my body and I had teachers that really beat me down you know and look I want to keep this podcast really light and I'm you know not going to go into massive details but they didn't make me feel very good and when I look back at photos I'm like oh my gosh I was so tiny and I had the most ripped amazing athletic body (laughs) 
and apparently it just wasn't waif-like enough for ballet. But anyway, another story. So leotards have always been a bit of a, let's just call them a sore spot. But I have bought this beautiful leotard from Bodil and um, I plan on popping it on very soon, I promise. I might even wear it to class. <laughs> With the amazing sauna pants that they do, I also in that order. By the way, this is not – I paid for these. I was not gifted them. I um, genuinely love these sauna pants that I bought. Um, they're black. They've got a beautiful velvet strip down the side and um, – I love them. They're amazing. I uh, couldn't recommend them enough. Um, so, yes, I mean, I hope I've answered your question, Helen. Um, I personally don't wear a leotard also because I'm in active wear all day. And if I, ha I mean, I'm at the studio pretty much from nine till nine. So if I was wearing a leotard, it would be really uncomfortable having to quickly duck to the bathroom all the time, you know, between classes and get the full leotard you know off it's sometimes it's just easier to wear active wear you know I sometimes look at dance teachers who wear beautiful leotards and skirts and I'll often be like oh I wish you know I wish I did that um but also I look at their schedules and they're not really as busy as mine so um hats off to you though if you have a very busy schedule and you go for the full leotard tights combo um, it's just personally not me. I just don't feel my most comfortable. So that's that. Anyway, number seven is from Zara. How long have you had your studio for and how did you get started? Okay, so I have had my studio since 2013. Uh, next year will be our 10th year um, with the studio, which is very, very exciting. Um, I didn't start teaching, you know, um, just when I opened my studio. I taught at studios before opening my own studio, which I highly recommend to people um, because it really, you know, if you're going to invest in starting your own studio, that is a big move um, and it costs a lot and a lot of money. I've always thought about doing a podcast episode which dives into the nitty gritty of opening a studio and, you know, getting quite honest with what costs are involved in that. So if you are interested in that kind of episode, please let me know. But in a nutshell, um, how did I get started? Well, when I was at uni, and I've told this story a couple of times before, I was offered um, some teaching roles. And when I mean, when I quit ballet, I never had the intention of starting teaching or starting my own studio, nothing. I'd quit ballet and that was it. And I had no intention of, you know, doing that. And I found out that you can earn a lot more teaching dance than waiting tables so I ended up taking some of the teaching roles that were being you know thrown my way and slowly but surely I really started to love teaching and I really loved and was invested in my students and I finished my communications degree and I finished up teaching for the studios that I was teaching for and I basically came to my parents with a business proposal <laughs> and they were like, oh, I don't know, Georgia, are you sure? Like, it's a very lonely life, you know, having a, you know, your own business. You know, my parents have always been in their own business and been very entrepreneurial. And so, you know, I 
came to them for advice and their advice was to not actually do it because, you know, they didn't want me to be lonely. Um, they wanted me to, quote unquote, uh, be a little bit more normal and have an office job or, you know, I loved PR and marketing and journalism as well. So, you know, it, I had options and they said, are you sure you don't want to be in an office and have, you know, staff parties and staff around you? Are you sure you want to be the boss? It's really lonely at the top. And and I thought, no, let's let's go. And, you know, they made me really think about it. And, um, and I'll be honest, I will be eternally grateful for my parents investing um, in me. Um, it seems like a small amount now, but it at the time was a very large amount. And eventually my mum actually came on board as my business partner because you cannot do it on your own and I am shocking at the numbers and the financials and a lot of invoicing and admin work I'm fantastic at you know marketing and all that kind of stuff and obviously the teaching side of things Um, but yeah I mean how did I get started it was baby steps but then all of a sudden it was like a rocket you know just it just took off and before I knew it I had 50 students before I knew it I had 100 before I knew it there was 200 students and what feels like a bazillion beautiful adult ballerinas and yeah so how did I get started I had amazing supportive parents I had a dream I had a vision I had a plan and I just went for it Um, I know that I am in a very um, um, lucky position to have such wonderful parents that could support me with my dream. But I also do recognize that a lot of it was also a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. And I think sometimes people don't um, quite understand how much work goes into owning your own business. Um, And um, yeah, I guess those that do out there that listen, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Number eight, I have a question from Sarah. She wants to know, and I thought this was so funny. At first, I didn't actually know what she was asking. But anyway, do you want a little ballerina or ballerino one day? And I read this question. I was like, what? Like it wasn't even on my brain that she was asking about babies. Okay. Thanks, Sarah, for the question. Um, (laughs) I do. Fun fact, I see myself with one child, which probably means that I will end up with twins. Um, But if it's a ballerina or a ballerino, um, doesn't worry me. Do I, I think part of your question is if I had a child, would I, would I let them dance? And I mean, of course, like if, mum has a studio and there's classes and they're around that atmosphere and if they want to dance of course like I'll let them dance but secretly I kind of hope I have a child that wants to play AFL I mean even better if it was a girl that wants to play footy or something I mean that would be hilarious um and I would love it either way either way (laughs) um but one actually one thing is and one of the reasons why I actually included this question in today's ask me anything was because I've actually had a client or two this has happened a couple of times recently and I think probably as I've turned 30 it's become more prevalent people ask me all the time whether I want children probably because I'm surrounded by children all the time with the studio but one thing which 
if you are an adult ballet student or a parent of a dancer, maybe be a little bit mindful when you are around studio owners or teachers because sometimes what you say can be really um, harmful or hurtful. I recently had an adult ballerina tell me that she's really glad that I haven't had children because then her classes still remain the same and that was really, I don't know, it just hit me in a really weird way and I worry about these things. I actually do worry for when I want a child one day and how that's going to impact my business, how that's going to impact my work ethic and my ability to be able to continue servicing my clients and um, being the best teacher possible and so I never until that comment thought that anybody else would be thinking about it, but apparently they do. Um, And I, you know, a couple of years ago tried to have another ballet teacher at my studio and a lot of parents were like, oh, what are you trying to have a child now? And you're palming off your classes. And, And I was like, no, actually, I'm not in that, you know, kind of planning stages at all. I'm just sort of trying to bring in another teacher and, it was really, really hard and it was really tricky. And sometimes, you know, an offhand comment can be really hurtful and I'm already worried (laughs) about what's going to happen in the future. And so um, the whole child question to people that haven't had children yet in positions where like me, your body is the way that you make money Gosh, that sounds awful, doesn't it? That sounds really wrong. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Physical activity and my ability to be able to teach and be, you know, showing up in my body and demonstrating is how, you know, I make my money and how the studio runs and how, you know, I obviously service my clients. And so it's... um. It's a very tricky conversation as a female and probably, you know, one of the tabs open on my brain. So anyway, just thought I'd flag that. Maybe, you know, if you're a student or a parent of a student, sort of maybe think twice about how you sort of say those kinds of things because I can guarantee you your teacher, if they're in my position, is definitely thinking about it and um, probably trying to come to terms with how that's going to work and keep everybody happy so just think about that one anyway number nine from Anna I run a dance studio and I find it incredibly difficult to get staff you seem to have it all figured out how did you build your team and how do you hire and fire wow okay so Anna um, as you can probably tell from my answer to the question before um I don't have it all figured out. (laughs) I definitely don't have it all figured out. I am a self-confessed control freak. (laughs) I take on way too much. I basically live at the studio. I did have one of my clients say to me the other day, Georgia, she's so lovely. Actually, her name's Anna as well. And she said, I hope you're looking after yourself. I hope that you, you know, go out for dinners and do nice things. I always see you just on social media at the studio. And I said, oh, don't worry, Anna, I do go out for nice dinners. And I do, you know, have a life outside the studio. I just, I must admit, I tend to not post about it. I keep my phone at home when I have some private time. Um, But, oh, um, you find it difficult to get staff? So do I. I find it incredibly difficult. I think, like you will know, you know, running your own 
studio, running your own business. You can never expect your employees to be as invested as you will be. Full stop. And, you know, neither should they be. It's not their business. Um, They won't, they simply won't be as invested as you are. So I think it's really important. And I've been thinking a lot about the culture of my business and I used to sort of look at a resume and think, oh, it's very impressive and hire based on that. But I actually think it's more important to fit and hire based on your dance community's culture more than the resume with all the fancy places they've either worked at or taught at. You can teach and upskill and you know provide training for staff but you cannot teach them culture and you cannot teach them kindness and compassion and you can't teach them to be inspiring that is something that you simply feel from a person and I've now decided moving forward that that is how I hire Um, I love that you said how do I hire and fire Um, I'm going to be really honest because this Ask Me Anything is making me feel very honest. I recently had to fire somebody um, from my studio in the past six months because what they were posting on social media, in my opinion, was not acceptable for somebody that's teaching younger students. It didn't align with our studio's goals. It didn't align with our studio's values and I have worked way too hard, way too hard to build a community, you know, within my studio that has very strong values. And simply put, I gave this particular staff member um, a decision to make, either take these particular videos and photos down um, and they can continue working, you know, it never, I could see that it wasn't going to last, but at least she could have lasted maybe another six months to get us through the end of the year, but she decided not to take them down. And so essentially, you know, she made the decision herself. And so it was kind of taken out of my hands. Um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, number 10 from Carmen, how do I close the gap between my ability and my expectations in class? Okay, so I'm guessing looking from Carmen's profile that she's an adult ballerina. And look, my biggest tip is that especially adult dancers need to learn to practice in the body and the mindset that you have on that particular day, in that particular moment, at this particular point of time. I guess another way of putting that is that you need to practice and live in the moment. I've had clients before where they danced a lot as a child or even clients who were professional dancers and they come in to do a class as a 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 year old and they're really upset and really depressed about the fact that their leg in a développé à la seconde is not right up near their ear and it's not going to be. You're not 16 year anymore. You're not 25 anymore. You're not a professional anymore. You, and a lot of these clients come in having not done classes for a decade. And you have to learn to practice in the body and the mindset that you have on that particular day. 
It's just so important. So how do you close the gap between your ability and your expectations? It's really important to have goals. I think it can be a bit damaging when you frame it as expectations of yourself. I mean, you can have expectations that you'll show up, that you'll be consistent. But I don't think that you should have really high expectations in regards to your ability because you need to just simply show up at class, which is amazing in itself, and just practice in the body that you have. And incrementally, you will get better and better and better. And it happens slowly. And that's why ballet is a game of patience and persistence. I think that's answered that question. (laughs) Patience and persistence. Now, number 11 from Monique. Um, This question is adult ballet Oh, sort of a question. She says, adult ballet nutrition, exercise and lifestyle, please. There's lots for pro dancers, but none for us. Um, Monique, I don't disagree with you. Um, I sometimes find it hard, even with Balanced Ballerina's brand. Um, a lot of what I say applies to adults and children, but I also find that there is areas that need to apply just, you know, for adults. Um, for example, actually, I have just um, announced the launch of a new ballet beginner course with my friend Jojo from Adult Ballet Collective, which is very specifically for adults beginning their ballet journey. Um, In regards to, I'll I'll sort of tackle your question one thing at a time, adult ballet nutrition. Okay. I'm going to point you in regards to, because whether you're an adult or a child, Dr. Stephanie from at Oz Dancers Overseas on Instagram has amazing courses in nutrition and female health and I highly recommend all her work. In fact, I actually have a code. I do. I have a code, a discount code. Let me just find it. It is. Now, if you go to ozdancersoverseas.com, And you go to her guides and courses and you use BB underscore MC underscore 10, you will get 10% off. And that is available um, until the 31st of August 2021. So I highly recommend, which I'm just about to sit down and do this afternoon, the female dancers health, no period, no problem, question mark, um, which looks really fascinating. So in regards to nutrition, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm going to point you towards Oz Dancers Overseas. She's fantastic. Another one would be Dr. Andrea Robertson. She's fantastic and has been on the podcast before. You can follow her um, at Dr. Andrea Robertson. Um, and yeah, start there. Start there and see how you go. Let me know how you go. In regards to exercise and lifestyle, um, so I'm guessing you want exercises that complement your ballet training. I always recommend Pilates. Pilates 100% um, really has a very similar philosophy to ballet. Um, The exercises are complementing and it creates the body that you, I mean, every body is a ballet body if you are studying ballet, but the type of lengthening of the muscles that you want um, for, you know, your ballet training can be brought upon by um, Pilates. So regular parties, big thumbs up from me. And um, lifestyle, please. I don't know. Lifestyle. Um, 
I think ballet training takes up a lot of your life <laughs> if you're going to do it properly. So that is a, um, a lifestyle in itself, isn't it? Balanced ballerinas, that is a lifestyle of itself. Now, number 12 from Hannah. Tips for starting up your first adult ballet class. I've always taught kids and I can't wait to begin taking adult classes. Thank you so much for your question, Hannah. One of my favorite topics. Now, I have two parts to this. So, <laughs> and it's sort of conflicting. My first point is you absolutely need to treat adults differently to children. They are adults. They come with a vast array of knowledge and life experience and you need to treat them as such. But then, even though I've just said you need to treat them differently to adults, you also need to treat adults the same as children. And what I mean by that, whether your, whether your student is three or whether they're 83, you need to train adults with the same integrity and the same seriousness that you would, you know, teach any of your students. So can you see how my advice flipped? How it's very conflicting, but it actually gets the point across. So don't teach adults the way you teach children, but also teach adults exactly the way you teach children <laughs> because they need to have the exact same amount of seriousness and the exact same amount of integrity, but they're also different because they're adults. And you know what one of the best thing about adults is? Teaching adults, they can pick up things way quicker. You can really dive deep on some of the, the philosophies behind ballet and different syllabi and, you know, adults love learning about all that stuff and soaking it in. They soak it up quick and that's what's fantastic about teaching adults. I'm really excited that you're delving into, you know, the adult ballet space and um, let me know how you go. Number 13 from Rosa. I've been following you for a while now and have always wanted to try adult ballet, but I'm too afraid. What do I need to get started and any tips for confidence? I'm going to be really pluggy here, Rosa, and um, I think you should sign up to do the course that Jojo Newman from Adult Ballet Collective and I are launching very soon. Head to my socials to find the details for that. It's the Adult Ballet Beginners course. There is going to be so much useful information there. And one of the reasons why it's going to be really useful is because you have me, an adult ballet teacher of 10 years, almost 10 years. And Jojo has been studying adult ballet for the past couple of years. So she's coming at it from the student point of view and I'm coming at it from the teacher point of view, which creates a great course because it's really difficult for me to be put into the beginner's mindset because the last time I you know arrived at my first ballet class I was three years old very different to you know being an adult and entering the studio for the first time so head to my um, Instagram shoot me a message and I'll send you the details for that course Number 14 is from Annie. I loved your episode of the podcast with Dr. Stephanie and Dr. Nikki about the importance of dancers getting their periods, but I would love you to cover the topic of contraception for dancers, especially as many dancers struggle with weight gain or fluid caused by many options. Okay, Annie, can I come back to you on this one? 
this is not my area of expertise and I'm currently doing, like I said before, the Oz Dancers Overseas course, Female Dancers Health, and I'm trying to do the work to gain a base of knowledge before finding the guests and lining them up in regards to talking about this space because I do find it really interesting. Like I said before, it's kind of one of the tabs open on my brain at the moment and um, yes, I'll come back to you on this one in a future episode. Just hang tight. Now, number 15 is from Alexandra. What do you think about all these ballet coaches and trainers that have popped up since COVID times? Should someone who has never been a professional ballerina be a teacher? Okay, here we go. I could probably do an entire podcast episode about this, but here is my two cents. There are some incredible amazing teachers who were never professional dancers and there are also some incredible and amazing teachers who were professional dancers and in saying that there are some shocking terrible dancers uh, teachers I mean who were never professional dancers and there are some shocking and terrible professional dancers who are now teachers The point of my story is just because you can do doesn't mean you can teach and just because you can't do doesn't mean you should teach. Teaching has to come from a place of real passion and real dedication to something bigger than yourself. Whilst there are some amazing, like really, truly amazing professional dancers that have turned into the most amazing coaches and teachers, it's also a profession where when you're a professional, you really have only yourself to focus on and it can become very self-absorbing. I know I was once a young student and was very (laughs) self-absorbed in my own training. And sometimes it can be really hard for the professional to switch off and then become more giving and more um, attentive to bodies outside of their own, if that makes sense. So some of the most amazing teachers actually were never professionals because they have really created a life of service. And I'll tell you an interesting story. I recently spoke to... um, a friend of mine who was in my particular full-time studio and she said that when I quit ballet and one of my friends he quit around the same time and we both opened our studios apparently everyone in our cohort used to say oh wow like you know gosh can't believe they're like teaching and they looked at it so lowbrow as if like why would you open a studio like what failures (laughs) which is, um, I was like, thank you. That's very nice to share. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, But apparently that's what they used to all think. And now, 10 years later, after they've either all become professionals or moved on to one studying law, another friend of mine is doing psychology, they're all slowly coming back to ballet. And I have a friend of mine who you know, has just quit her job as a lawyer to become a ballet teacher. And she said, I'm so jealous that you started your studio 10 years ago and I'm now wanting to start up and I feel so behind the eight ball. And I find that really interesting um, 
that teaching sometimes is looked down upon compared to having a professional career. I personally never had a professional career and it was for various reasons. Um, I didn't really like performing. I loved being in the studio. I loved things like exams, like ballet exams and training and bar and center work and part de but I didn't particularly like the glitz and glamour of costumes and performing. It just was never really a thing of mine. I mean, actually, it's so funny. Like my adults, you know, have the most amazing wardrobes of leotards and tights and skirts and and whilst I love and admire looking at everybody else in this, it's never something I've sort of done for myself. Um, I'm very happy in my black tights and black top <laughs> and my black activewear, which is very basic. Um, and it's it's so funny, you know, it sort of stems into one of the reasons why I quit too, because I was never really drawn in by the allure of beautiful costumes. Um, but, you know, obviously that was more to the story as to why I quit, but I have found so much fulfillment in teaching and bringing joy back to something, a practice such as ballet, which is so beautiful, which really broke me as a child, but I'm becoming, and it's my mission to be the teacher that I thought I deserved and that my students deserve. And that's what, that's what makes me gosh, I get very emotional talking about this, but it that's what makes me wake up every day. That's what makes me wake up every day um, and get up out of bed and continue to be the best version of myself so that I can be the best version of myself as a teacher for my students. And in a roundabout way, I'm asking you, I'm answering your question in regards to teaching. Now, I don't, I am nowhere near you know, the teacher that I want to be, I still want to be even better than I am today. And a lot of my clients, bless them, they're so lovely, would be like, Georgia, you're amazing. Like you don't, you know, <laughs> yes, keep improving, but you know, don't be so hard on yourself. But no, like if you are a client of mine right now, I can't wait for you to see the teacher that I'm going to be in another, in another decade. Um, I look back on the teacher I was when I first started my studio and it's vastly different to the teacher I am today. But the thing is, you know, when you go for a job and you don't get it and you're constantly told you need more experience, well, how do you get that experience if you don't try or if you're not given a chance? And I think these days with COVID, look, there are definitely people that perhaps shouldn't be teaching because they haven't bothered to do any of the professional development that really, you know, they should be doing. But COVID's been really tough on a lot of people and a lot of people have lost their jobs. And so what I would do is instead of looking at someone, if you don't think they should be teaching and they're offering online coaching and whatnot, instead of looking at them with unkindness or, you know, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Maybe just practice a bit of kindness. You don't need to buy their online coaching program. You don't even need to support it. You don't even need to like their posts, but maybe they're just trying really hard to break into something that they really love and are passionate about and, they're still doing the work, you know. Um, but I think it's really easy to find and see who's a passionate and who's a really inspiring teacher that's continuing their professional development. So, you know, go with those teachers. And, and if you gravitate towards someone in particular, they might not have the credentials that, you know, we all think you're supposed to have in regards to this space, but they might really speak to you on a deep level and on a personal level, and you might be able to relate to them. 
go with it. Just go with your gut. Um, so what do I think? I think that all these ballet coaches and trainers that are giving it a go, you know, as long as they're not doing anything that's really harmful to bodies or, you know, as long as their heart's in the right place, um, I don't I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, you know, granted they're not doing anything that's that's harmful. Um do I think there needs to be more regulation in this space? Definitely, 100% because we are dealing with the human body. Um, and I personally have a lot of certificates and a lot of, um, you know, credentials in regards to what I do. I am a qualified ballet teacher um, and I would like to see a bit more regulation in our industry. But there are a lot of people that are doing the right thing and I think it's really easy to spot. Um, last question. Who's my dream guest for the podcast? This is from Alex. My dream is to be interviewing Misty Copeland or Mikhail Baryshnikov one day. That is my, that it, those two are my dream guests. I mean, absolute dream. I don't know. I don't know if Mikhail will happen. I mean, that would, that would be unbelievable. I, I don't know if that's going to ever happen, but I feel like Misty, Misty's in my reach. I just, it's like I, Oh, and I don't know about this word, but it's like I'm manifesting a, it's happening. It's going to happen one day, guys. So um, I feel that one in my bones. <laughs> anyway, so this has been a very random episode. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I've actually been really honest, probably just almost talking as if this is never going to be released. And I hope that some of it has resonated with you. I hope it's made you feel maybe less alone or if you have so many tabs open on your brain, please make me feel better and let me know too um, that you're feeling the same way. (laughs) We'll all get through this COVID stuff together, won't we? We'll get there in the end. Um, But yes, thank you so much. Now that I know what AMA means, ask me anything, let me know if you want me to do this again. I'd you know, won't do it all the time, but every now and then it might be really fun. So have a good week as always. Keep balanced, keep practicing, and um, always feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram at The Balance Ballerina. And have a lovely week, ballerinas. Bye. <laughs>